Hello and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Casey Murray. And I'm Jack Anstein. On today's episode, we'll discuss the lack of diversity in the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics field, and hear from one cybersecurity professional working to help women enter the field. And later, we'll hear from Sarah Schlafly, the co-founder of Mighty Cricket, a startup that's promoting cricket powder as an alternative protein source. Plus, we'll have the week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. So Casey, the fall has started to come and the weather has been a lot cooler, which I've been enjoying. Um, What are your favorite things that you're looking forward to this fall? I'm personally really excited for Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. I love getting dressed up. Um, I also just love all the warm drinks and sweaters and sweater weather and general spooky happenings that come along with the season. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Halloween will take place during the pandemic. Um, But I'm also excited for carving a pumpkin. I do that every year and always try to top myself. And I'm also interested to see how the election season turns out. First of all, I'm terrible at carving pumpkins, so I'm definitely excited to see what you come up with. But as a journalist, it's always really exciting when a season brings important political happenings with it. But with that, let's get into the headlines. St. Louis-based startup Precision Virologics has licensed a COVID-19 vaccine being developed at Washington University. The vaccine is not expected to be among the first administered to the public, but could play an important role if early vaccines fail. So far, the vaccine has only been tested on mice. One developer of the vaccine, David Curiel, hopes to begin human trials in the spring. AgTech startup Benson Hill opened a $52 million headquarters in St. Louis. Benson Hill is focused on improving the sustainability, nutrition, and taste of crops. The startup had roots in both St. Louis and North Carolina, but has now doubled down on St. Louis after closing its North Carolina location and opening the new facility. CEO Matt Crisp said the company made this decision to have an increased access to growers in the central United States and because he views St. Louis as one of the top places in the world to invest in plant technology. The Kansas City metro-based construction and engineering firm, Black & Veatch, has doubled the amount of money it plans to provide to its accelerator for COVID-19-related businesses. Businesses in the accelerator will now get $500,000 in grants and in-kind services, up from the $250,000 initially planned. Black & Veatch selected 18 partners in July for the accelerator, developing solutions for problems caused by COVID-19. Kansas City Metro-based Capital Raising Bootcamp Pitch Perfect has expanded its program to a dozen startups. The nine-week bootcamp focuses on helping early-stage companies learn how to raise investment and will address pivots that businesses must make during the pandemic. Some of the businesses involved in the program include Overland Park-based allergy-friendly snack bite producer Safely Delicious and Kansas City-based female athletic shoe startup Yes Athletics. Casey, last week we discussed some barriers that make women and minorities less likely to receive capital funding. And this week, I want to follow up by looking at issues that affect these groups in other professional settings. 
What types of issues? Well, women make up half of the total college-educated workforce, but in the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM field, women only make up 28% of the workforce, according to a 2018 report from the National Science Board. Yeah, I definitely remember talking about that last week. That number is still really low. There's an underrepresentation of minority groups in the field as well, with Black people making up 4.8% of the workforce and Hispanic people making up 6% of the workforce, according to the same report. These numbers become even more drastic when looking at women of color. Wow, those numbers are really eye-opening. I wonder what barriers are causing this and if any efforts are being made to increase those numbers. I wonder that too. So I had a conversation with Cheryl Cooper, the founder of Women in Security Mentors, an organization that helps women interested in cybersecurity in, in the cybersecurity field by providing education, offering workshops, and to connect these women with other professionals in the industry. Earlier this month, Cooper took part in the Kansas City Cybertech Mentoring and Career Symposium, an event focused on encouraging women and minorities to pursue careers in cybersecurity and technology. I spoke with Cooper to hear her perspective on why these gaps in STEM still exist and how she assists those struggling to enter the field. Cheryl Cooper, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jack, and good morning, and thank you for having me. Can you provide some information on what your organization, Women in Security Mentors, is? Well, the mission of Women in Security Mentors Organization and Corporation is to provide education and security training uh, through workshops and meetups, as well as to connect them with more experienced individuals in the industry. I had women approaching me and saying, I want to get into the field, but I'm not sure where to start. What are the hot certifications? What certifications should I get? Should I go back to school and get a four-year college degree? And I said, we need a platform that brings more experienced individuals together with these less experienced individuals so that we could share our experience. But Jack, what I also had observed is when I attended our industry conferences, there were males sitting on the panel. There were males as keynotes and women were underrepresented in the audience. So another reason why I founded the organization, and that's what we're about, it's about getting more women into these cybersecurity jobs. What do you think the importance and overall impact of increasing the amount of women in the cybersecurity field is? Well, the overall impact in increasing the number of women in cybersecurity is that we bring a different perspective. Uh, another reason why we need to have diversity at the table. We need women, we need men, we need different culture aspects. When I think about the statistics of those in computing fields, there's just 3% of com computing related jobs that are held by African-American women. 6% are held by Asian women, and 2% are held by Hispanic women. That's a significant gap, not only just in the number of women, but the different ethnicity groups in this field. So when 
we allow ourselves to bring various perspectives to the table, we come up with better solutions. Do you have any idea what barriers or factors contribute to these low numbers? I believe that one of the factors that contributes to the low number of women in cybersecurity, or even as we look across all of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, is that our school system has to do a better job at introducing these career fields at the elementary level, right? So I believe that that's one of the barriers in the low numbers of women that we see in the field. Uh, the industry has to do a better job. Where is the, where's the talent? Where's the experience? Where are the subject matter experts for cybersecurity? These STEM careers, they're in the workplace. And so the industry, our big technology companies have to do a better job at supporting the school districts and bringing those industry professionals into the classroom. And then only then will be, we be able to see an increase. Another thing you mentioned earlier is that at these panels, it's usually men that are represented. Do you think that these power positions in the field primarily being filled by men is a factor? I believe that the reason why we have traditionally seen uh, men, and, and I have to say um, white men on panels, white men as keynotes, is because the industry has not done a good job in the recruitment of not just women, but those minorities. We have to rely on the industries to provide the pathway for those women and minorities, then we will begin to see those communities represented. Have you noticed a change in the representation of these groups in the industry over the course of your professional career? Well, well absolutely. We've seen an increase in the number of women in cybersecurity. We've seen an increase in the number of women in STEM careers. Although we've seen some increases, there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a significant uh, gap in the number of women. When we look at women in the industry, in the cybersecurity industry, there are only 21% of the United States workforce. What are some actionable steps that someone who is struggling to join the STEM field can take? The first thing that I would recommend that you do is to join one of your local associations. Joining the association gives you the opportunity to network with others in the industry. My second recommendation is that you pick up a certification. And there are entry-level certifications that you can pick up to begin to learn the lingo. And as you talk to potential employers, it shows I'm serious about getting into this industry. I've gone on, I've studied, and I passed this certification. And then the other, the, the next step that I would recommend is that you need to then start trying to get some experience. And really that's often the challenge. 
there's all kinds of volunteer opportunities out there for you to get experience. In 2021, there will be 3.1 million cybersecurity jobs that will need to be filled globally. There are approximately 300,000 of those jobs that will need to be filled in the United States alone. So companies are going to have to create and build their own cybersecurity professionals. If you can come in with the passion and the aptitude, we can train you, then they're going to hire you on. I really appreciate all the time you took to speak with me, and thank you so much. Yes, Jack, and thank you so much for having me. Would you ever eat a bug? I don't know. That's a little out there for me. In America, it's definitely considered an unconventional option. But you know an estimated 2 billion people across the world eat insects? What? No, that's way more than I would have guessed. Same here. But that's what St. Louis entrepreneur Sarah Schlafly discovered when she set out to find a more affordable and sustainable source of protein than meat. Based on her findings, she started Mighty Cricket, a company that makes high-protein food products out of crickets. That's definitely a unique idea for a business. How's it been doing? Reporter Tom Cavanaugh spoke to her to find out. Mighty Cricket is a next generation protein company that is manufacturing uh, high protein oatmeals and protein powders. Gotcha. And how did you get the idea for Mighty Cricket? Well, let's see. Thinking back, um, the idea started maybe seven years ago. I was seeking an alternative protein source that um, was not only environmentally friendly, but also um, healthy and something that would be available to people of modest income. And I couldn't really find it. And then um, looking in international cuisine, I discovered that 2 billion people across 70% of the world's countries consume insects. And I was like, wow, that's a protein source that I hadn't thought of before. So I did more research and I discovered that this protein source requires so few inputs to grow that it has the potential to be a, an extremely efficient source of protein for the U.S. And um, in doing so, if we scale the industry um, and drive down the cost due to economies of scale, we can bring this protein source to a mainstream market. What, what problem would you say Mighty Cricket solves? Oh, Mighty Cricket solves lots of problems. <laughs> For one, um, having a sustainable protein source that's going to keep us alive for the next 30 years is one major problem that solves. So um, it's very environmentally friendly. It can be grown in an urban setting. Now, this is the first protein source I have stumbled upon that can, in which that can be done. And that means that edible insects have the potential to be a hyper-local protein source, which is amazing when you think about the transportation disruptions that are going to happen um, as the climate crisis deepens. And also it helps alleviate with those shipping challenges. Um, additionally, 
when it comes to plant-based proteins, there are a lot of nutritional deficiencies. So for me, if I switch to purely plant-based, I start feeling very weak. A lot of meat lovers love their meat because of the nutrition, and crickets provide a great alternative solution that both meets those nutritional needs, but also the environmental needs. And then the last problem that solves is our desire for fast, convenient food. So our Mighty Cricket powder comes in like a pure protein powder, or we have our flavored protein blends, and then we also have flavored oatmeals. So no matter if you want just a um, pure cricket protein, if you want it flavored or in oatmeal, they're all very convenient. Um, the oatmeal, you just add water and stir. Same with the protein powder blends that are flavored. And then the pure cricket protein powder is so easy to use. It tastes like pistachios. Um, it doesn't need to be cooked like meat does. And you just stir it into pretty much any sauce or paste that um, you want. So I add mine to hummus, I add it to pasta sauce, I add it into baked goods and the cookies and breads. And um, it's just like this extra boost of protein, but you don't have to cook it. It's amazing. How is it manufactured actually? Uh, so we manufacture here in St. Louis currently in small batches as we want to sell our company. And um, the crickets are raised on cricket farms. Who makes up your clientele generally? Definitely outdoor enthusiasts are a top, um, top purchaser of Mighty Cricket products. But nature lovers, we have a lot of outdoor adventurous. Um, we get a lot of athletes too. So runners, bikers are interested in our products. And then I would say anyone else who's just... Um, into supporting the local community or supporting farmers, trying to be healthier, greener. Um, those are all the people who tend to perk up when they hear the why of crickets. And how would you describe like the trend that Mighty Cricket's been on? Okay, I'm a, the type of founder that is not so focused on driving sales in the short term. I'd rather sacrifice those short-term sales, get my pieces in place, and really um, take the time to study and learn and um, improve and iterate before I, uh, before I scale. Because if we don't take that, that time to really understand our audience and be authentic and address a need, then we're going to scale quickly, maybe, maybe but it, might, it won't be sustainable. And I'm making these decisions as if the company is going to be around in 100 years. Because what that does is frees you up to look at things in the long run, not worried about, not worry about short term. Of course, make sure that you have enough runway to meet all of your expenses in the short term. But if you look at things in the long term, all of a sudden your creativity just gets freed up and your like concerns about like looking amazing in the short term get freed up. And um, it also enables you as a founder to be very 
balanced in your approach to the startup world. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me again, Sarah. This has been great. Now let's get to the digits of the week, the numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. My digit is 69,829. That's very specific. Why? Since Missouri legalized medical marijuana about two years ago, 69,829 people have been approved to purchase it. Now, Belief Medical, a medical marijuana startup from Earth City, is preparing to harvest its first crop of marijuana. Belief was the first company approved to cultivate in the state and only two other sites, Archimedes Medical Holdings in Perryville and Feels Good Green Products in Carrollton have been approved since. Beleaf has expanded into growing medical marijuana industry in Missouri and holds a license in each phase of production, from cultivation to manufacturing to dispensing. My digit isn't as fun as the medical marijuana industry, but it's still important. What is it? My digit is one million because that's how much money St. Louis Aldermanic President Louis Reed called for in additional funding to help small businesses hurt by the pandemic. After the call, Mayor Lida Krusen's office said it wants to expand the program as well. The city already has $4 million allocated for $5,000 grants to go to small businesses, and the extra money would allow 200 more businesses to benefit. According to the mayor's office, the city has approved 750 of the nearly 1,500 applications submitted on behalf of businesses for grants. Only 50 more businesses will be able to be approved if additional funding for the program isn't acquired. And that just about concludes this week's episode. We just need our closing thought. Here's Dr. Cheryl Cooper, the founder of Women in Security Mentors, giving her best business advice. We're our greatest enemy. You know, we doubt ourselves. So our lack of confidence in ourselves will hold us back. So if the enemy is not within, the enemy outside you can do you no harm. My other best advice is that along your career, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, no matter what you do, be the best at what you do. Be of value. The new currency on the street is knowledge. Companies buy value. Companies buy knowledge. That's all we've got this week. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Jack Anstein and me, Casey Murray. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.